All right, I'm shortening the message today because I want us to have a little more of an extended Q&A and conversation. We're in a series of that's really about relational networks and gatherings based on Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 23 to 25 that says, um, uh, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Well, actually, I should pick up the verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without favoring, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. The day drawing near being the day of the Lord. So we've been looking at these relational networks, these gatherings, uh, and we looked at two types. Uh, one, the most familiar type, is called small groups. Almost every church has small groups of some type. Every synagogue has small groups of some type. These are groupings of persons within a congregation that are grouped by gender, age, or gifting. Uh, these small groups may be Sunday school classes, Bible study groups, men's groups, women's groups, children's groups, youth groups, music groups, or other kinds of ministry teams. These groups connect people in what sociologists call stratigraphic groupings. And the participants are connected as individuals as long as they meet the sorting qualification. You don't find men in women's groups and you don't find children in youth groups, that kind of thing. In other words, these are the way the, that we gather together based on gender, age, and some area of interest. The second type is a havara or a house church. These are many congregations, groupings of households, not individuals. And remember, households can be an individual or a family with children or an older couple. There's a number of different settings for households in the scriptures. These groups are connected by geography, that is neighborhoods. If you recall, synagogues historically were, were built and the, the people who were members of the synagogue had to be able to walk a Sabbath journey to get there. So they all were neighbors as well as uh, being a part of the synagogue. And when I was growing up, it was very common for churches to be found in neighborhoods. And people would walk down to the church and the bells would ring on Sunday. And while I didn't do that, that I knew what people were doing as I saw them walk by. Um, so... Sometimes these groupings are not neighborhoods, they're workplaces where people work at the same place and so they know each other and so they're connected that way. Or their kids all go to the same school. Or they're just naturally developed friendships um, which connect them. These link families together and historically these groupings were more common. For the neighborhood synagogues and the local churches being in walking distance, you simply had people who had multiple relationships with people related to work and neighborhood and geography and church and that kind of framework. So these family-to-family, life-to-life connections were the heart of the synagogue or the church, the congregation. Now their purpose 
of these groupings was the comprehensive development and spiritual maturity of the members of the household. So you have two groups, small groups that are focused on a specific task or a specific ministry and they are connected by individuals from all through the congregation. Then you have the groupings of the families or the households that might be geographically or friend-based or work-based in those kinds of, of things. Now, our culture has become more mobile and spread out, and the local community or neighborhood has been replaced with a greater individuality and therefore utilitarian relationships. Churches and synagogues have become more collections of what I call the pay-and-pray crowds, with little depth in their knowledge and interaction with one another. In fact, many people go to churches where they don't know many of the people in the church at all. Uh, they attend at their own schedule, kind of like a timeshare, so they come and go and people aren't really sure what's going on there. These congregations become consumer-oriented and in most cases have no real membership or covenant between the participants. They continue to use small groups based on gender, age, and interest because of the hyper-individuality that can be accommodated by those kinds of ministries. And people come and go in that kind of framework. And that, that's historically why you have uh, Awana's groups and you have youth groups and you have all these kinds of groups. They, they are able to continue to be in those kinds of churches where the relational networking of households is not able to be done. The Disciple Center is different in that we expect all of our members to participate in all aspects of the liturgy. We're really following 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul says, when you come together, when you gather, let each one of you have a psalm or a hymn or a testimony or something. In other words, let everything be done unto edifying and everyone is participating in that framework. Very hard to do that in large groups because what happens is an individual kind of ties in there. So uh, these congregations that we have uh, that have developed in recent years have hired staffs with a few volunteers that handle the basic ministries and the majority of the congregation simply come and not come as they want. And therefore, the only thing that the congregation depends on the people for in real, in, you know, put in vulgar terms, is their money. Uh, if you replace this family with another family, as long as the offerings are coming in, the congregation is successful. That wouldn't work in a family. It doesn't work in a relational network in that sense. So we're different in that we emphasize the priority of the household as the primary place of learning and practicing the faith with the congregation as supplemental. Um, and we further place the ministry of those not in the congregation that is, if we're ministering to non-believers or believers beyond our congregation, to the public and social arena rather than as part of our congregational gatherings. So we function more like a household and a family and less like one of these consumer-based business-functioning congregations. <clears throat> this makes the Disciple Center an appropriate place for Havarot or house churches to establish and strengthen our house-to-house -house relationships, which are difficult to impossible in small group settings uh, based on age and gender because you simply are not connected relationally across generations and across 
wisdom and ministry experience. Um, so, uh, when the Disciple Center began, we had multiple regular life connections, which gave us opportunity to be in each other's lives. Many of you were students at CBU. You were also grouped by other natural pre-existing friendships that you knew uh, people from. And then there were other activities like the jiu-jitsu group that would meet. And so there were connections. We had connections as we formed the Disciple Center that were multiple relational kinds of notions. Over time, you became fruitful and multiplied, and the raising of children became the priority. Children went to different schools. In some cases, they were homeschooled, and the closeness and the connections, particularly because we're spread out over two counties, uh, changed and in some cases even slackened. Household groupings, however, have continued through holy days where many of you have opened your homes for people to have seders, uh, the eating after services, as well as camping out together during some of the holy days, and other seasonal outings like the uh, pumpkin fest, all those things that you do that I love, because it's not organized by uh, elite of the congregation, it's coming out of the relationships that you have. And so I expect and hope that those things are going to continue. In the last couple of years, we've had a few occasions uh, where we were not able to come together on the Lord's Day or the Sabbath, depending on our schedule at the time, because of facility problems here or freeway access problems. And at that time, when we gathered in several homes, uh, we, I mentioned that we needed to move towards this in a more regular and formal manner for two reasons. One was the possibility of a disaster, an earthquake, or something like that that would take place uh, that would require us to meet more locally because we wouldn't have access. The second was the possibility of persecution or governmental pressure against public expressions of faith, which is certainly present in our culture, but not at any kind of emergency setting at the present thing. We're more likely to have an earthquake than we are to be told by the city we can't meet here. Okay? So while those are the two reasons, they ebb and flow in terms of their... Uh, their presence. Uh, so, we have within our congregation natural groupings of what could be called form, informal Havarot or house churches. Um, uh, many of you have gone to regular Sabbath meetings or other kinds of things, singing or the, the children's choir in the homes, all those kinds of things fit into one of these two small group or Havarot kind of uh, notions. Just think of it, if it's age-based and gender-based, it's a small group. If it's a family's gathering together, it's more of the Havarot, or households gathering together, then it's more of the Havarot. So, um, I think it's time for us to bring these to semi-formal status. I certainly do not want a formal approach until we have time to experiment with these and test them in real-life context. We have always considered the D.C. to be a laboratory for kingdom experiments. So what I want to do today is for you to express what you think is already present within our congregation in this context, as I have just mentioned, and what might need to be enhanced or developed. And also I want to use this time 
for me to clarify any misunderstandings or confusions you have with the concept as we have this conversation. So I gave you a statement on Facebook and I sent them out by email with a little chart that looks like this. I don't know how many of you picked those up that were out there. Um, and what I was trying to do with this was to give you uh, a way of looking at both gatherings. People would be part of a havara, a group of households that work on the totality of our spiritual development. And then they would have access to ministry teams and groups, as we have always done, that are more geared to the specifics of age, gender, or uh, uh, personal ministry uh, gifting. So I, I broke, I put a, a sample of uh, five Havara, Havarot that it would be in a, this is a, um, a mythical congregation. Um, one of them had five households, one had three, one had four, one had six, one had eight. The, the, that four to eight kind of families, any more than that, it's hard to keep people uh, together. Then we talked about music ministry would be based on members from several of those. Men's group could be from each. Women's group could be from each. The Torah clubs. The idea being that a body has to have connections of both types if it's going to maintain a close relational community networking. In addition to that, once you reach about 200 people, actually at 150 it starts getting rough, but once you reach 200 people, these things begin to fall apart if you try to do them where everybody's getting together. Some of you may remember when we first started eating out after service, we would all go to the same place and eat. And uh, we could fit in a place... Uh, and that worked. And then as we got a little bigger, it started becoming problematic because there would be 25 of us, one waiter, right, and one check. And all uh, that became a little problem. Then we tried the food court over here where people were doing different things. We were trying to eat together. But then the danger was to go back into, well, we want everybody sitting at the same table, which is what we do at Thanksgiving with families, which is a little crazy because the people at this end and the people at this end can't really talk to each other. Small little tables would have worked fine, right? So I suggested that you go with one or two families when you go out to eat so that it stays in a, in a family context. I was working on that kind of Havarot idea thinking. So what I'm wanting us to do is think about where we already have this kind of in a bud form that just needs a little bit of help. The notion would be that everybody in the congregation would have access and participate in at least one havara regularly and ministries as they do, but that nobody would be out of that havara connection in that framework. Um, so, what I want to do now is stop the recording, because that will go into the public thing. What we will do then is open the floor to Q&A, 